We are in Doctrine and Covenants section 45, and today we are doing verses 16 through 35, which really center around him declaring about his second coming and also his first coming. So it kind of mixes the two. And the word that really stood out to me is scattered. And um, it's interesting because it says it several times. I think it says it at least four times in these verses. And he's really talking about the first time that they don't recognize who he is and the Jews are scattered. And when you look up what scattered means, and you know what it is, scattered is, right, we take pieces and just place them all over the place haphazardly. Well, one of the things that it said when I looked up scattered is it says spread all over in an irregular way. And of course, it's talking um, about the Jews. And one of the things in the handbook that it talked about is in the year 66 AD, so after Christ came, um, there was Cestus Gallus <laughs> marched into Judea. I don't know who that is and threatened Jerusalem. And then it gives this whole history of what happened, the millions and millions that were killed and how they used, um, they, they even marched away and said, let's watch the Jews just kill each other, destroy each other. And that they even used the temple as a fort. And so um, against orders, the temple was even burnt down. It's just so sad. But then this is what it says. In this awful war, more than a million and a half of the Jews perished. Many were sold into slavery and thus the scattering among the nations. These were his people who did not recognize him as the Savior, the Son of God. And it is gut-wrenching to me. I, I don't think of this. I think of the Holocaust how many times the Jews have suffered, and it just hurts my heart. I don't understand when we have the um, article of faith that says men will be punished for their own sins and not Adam's transgressions. I don't, I don't comprehend um, the suffering of the Jews because it seems to me um, to have something to do with the fact that they crucified the Savior and didn't recognize him. And it just hurts my heart. Um, I don't know if they're... I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> um, but what I do know is I can't wait till our day, the Gentiles. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So the Jews come back to a knowledge of their Savior and that they get the joy of accepting him and knowing he accepts them, just as we have felt that joy. And so um, as we read through, I just thought what really stood out to me is this scattering and that we are a part of the gathering. Okay, so in verse 16, they ask the signs. And he says, I, I will show it plainly as I showed it to my disciples, as I stood before them in flesh and spake unto them, saying... As ye ask concerning the signs of my coming in the day that I will come in my glory in the clouds of heaven to fulfill the promises I've made to your fathers. And I love this because in the second coming, 
Um, it says he will come in clouds of glory with all the hosts of heaven, all the angels. And I just think there's no way any of us can miss it because that's millions upon millions upon millions, probably billions. And so um, I think that's going to be amazing. And man, the song that they will sing and the rejoicing, and I think it will just be beautiful. Um, and I love in 17 says, as ye have looked upon your long absence of your spirits from your bodies to be bondage. And we are told in the scriptures that you have to have both for a fullness of joy. That's why we cannot have a fullness of joy until eternal life, until we are resurrected. And um, so it talks about that, that that day of bondage will be gone. We will have, we will be restored. And he again says the restoration of scattered Israel. Um, and so that's just beautiful that they will come to a knowledge. All who didn't have it will recognize him as the savior. Okay. Verse 19, but, but verily, but verily, I say unto you that desolation shall come upon this just generation as a thief in the night. And this people shall be destroyed and scattered among all nations. And desolation is also a word that um, I've really noticed that we talk a lot about um, that if we follow Satan, those who follow Satan will be left desolate in the end, which means empty, that there's nothing left. And so it's just the pointlessness of following. There's only two choices. So either we're pursuing Christ or we're not. Either we come to a goal to live with him and have dwell with him. That's our goal, right? Or we're pursuing nothing, which means we're pursuing Satan and not Christ. We've turned from him and we're left with nothing in the end. Okay, um, go down to verse 23. And in this ye shall, ye say truly, for so it is. But these things which I have told you shall not pass away until they're all fulfilled. God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. So we know every word he has said in these um, revelations will be fulfilled. And in all the scriptures that we have, 24, in this I told you concerning Jerusalem. And when that day shall come, shall a remnant be scattered among all nations. So again, the scattering. And I have in the footnotes, 1 Nephi 22.4. And it says in 22.4, And behold, there are many who are already lost from a knowledge of those who are at Jerusalem. Yea, the more part of all the tribes who have been led away. They are scattered to and fro upon the isles of the sea. And whether they are, none of us knoweth, save that we know they have been led away. And that's before Christ even came. So um, this scattering that he refers to and is in the footnotes, it's all who are lost from a knowledge of the Lord. And so it's gone through all generations of time, right? All the time on the earth. That really means lost from a knowledge of the Lord. Okay, 25. But they shall be gathered again, and they shall remain until the time of the Gentiles shall be fulfilled. And that is us. That's our job to bring them. And the way we bring them and gather them is through a knowledge of the gospel. And I loved President Nelson's talk, one of his four talks in conference, when he talked about the only solution, and many apostles reference this, to what is happening in this day, all the men's hearts growing cold and all 
um, the contention and divisiveness is a knowledge of the Lord and the peace the gospel brings. That is the only thing that will cure what's going on. And that leads us right into verse 26. And in that day shall be heard of wars and rumors of wars. And that is spiritually. And that is what's happening right now. And the whole earth shall be in commotion and men's hearts shall fail them. And they shall say, Christ delayeth his coming until the end of the earth. And I just think, man, is this not true? This is so true of our day. We see it and men's hearts growing cold. It's right here in the student handbook by Ezra Taft Benson. He said, suicide ranks as a major cause of death. Satan is increasingly striving to overcome the saints with despair, discouragement, despondency, and depression. Of all people, we as Latter-day Saints should be the most optimistic, the least pessimistic. For while we know that peace shall be taken from the earth and the devil shall have power, we shall also be assured the Lord will have power over his saints and shall reign in their midst. And I just love that because truly it is a knowledge of what we have. Conference gives us such peace and reminds us none of this is an accident. All of this has a purpose. It's all to usher in the Savior coming again, which we want. We want him here. We want Enoch, the city of Enoch, to return. We want the graves to be opened. We want to walk with other people who are looking for God to prevail in their life. We want peace, and that only comes through Christ. And so all of this is good. And studying this and reading the scriptures and praying reminds us that so our hearts don't turn cold, but that we have peace in Christ. Okay, 29, but they receive it not, for they perceive not the light, and that's the world. They turn their hearts from me because of the precepts of men. And the thing that really um, stood out to me in that is they turn. God never does. His arms are open. That picture of him coming in the second coming and is with his arms outstretched to receive all who will come. So remember, it isn't ever that he turns from us. It's that we turn from him and we're not going to do that, right? So you can have peace in that. But my disciples, verse 32 and in 31, the last sentence for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. We definitely are there. Verse 32, but my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved. And I just think that is a beautiful thing. Where do you stand? Look around you. Where do you stand? Is it a holy place? Is your home a holy place? Are you gathering with other members of the church? And that's a good question. I put, have you moved during COVID? Um, the wicked curse God and die. But if you remember in chapter 42, verse 46, it says, and it shall come to pass that those that die in me shall not taste of death for it shall be sweet to them. And it just reminded me of my dad who really um, was at peace with going and felt like it was, he had won the lottery and we felt like he had won the lottery. He had done what he came to do and he knew where he was going. And that only comes through the peace of knowing that you will be accepted by the Savior. So where do you stand? Have you moved during COVID? Are you still, even though we don't have temples and we're just now getting back to, things are starting to a second hour gathering. I've heard that that's going to be happening and Really, where do you stand? Have you stood in holy places and been not moved? Are you still reading your scriptures? Are you doing come follow me? Are you saying your prayers? Are you more earnest in those efforts? And 
even though I have said I feel like I'm a more selfish person, that I have pulled in way more, that I'm not as aware of other people, I will say my private devotion, even though I can't get to the temple, is where it it was and hopefully is even more so as I have searched to have peace in this midst of turmoil. And so I love that thought of where do you stand because it isn't the Savior that turns, it's us. So we stand in holy places, right? And we're not moved. And and of course, if you're listening to this, then you stand in a holy place. You're searching for truth and that's beautiful. Okay. Um, and then jump down to... I have, oh yeah, verses 34 and 35 are our last two, 34. And now when I, the Lord, had spoken these words, my disciples were troubled. And I said to them, be not troubled, for when all these things shall come to pass, you may know that the promises which have been made unto you shall be fulfilled. And I love that. They were confused. They didn't get it. And they were worried. And the thing that it said in the handbook is, um, let's see. It will seem as if the hand of every man is against his brother. This is Bruce R. McConkie. But we need not dwell on those things. We will stand in holy places, that is our safety, and we will not be moved, and we will be numbered among the pure in heart. It is no wonder we are troubled as witness as we witness these, these occurrences, because even those he spoke to who didn't witness these things were troubled, but he said to them, be not troubled. We do say there is no promise of safety, no promise of security, except for those who love the Lord and who are seeking to do all he commands. Take heed, prepare, watch, be ready. There is no security in any course except the course of obedience and righteousness. And I loved that because I thought we are doing, we are not moving, we are continuing to search the scriptures to hold to truth, to the peace that that comfort brings. And that should give us the greatest peace of all. Things will bring in the, the coming of the Savior, and we should rejoice in that. And, and as we pray to bring others to restore them to a knowledge they once had and gather them in, it will be great and wonderful. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know our Savior loves you.